0: Hi, welcome back to Legends of Surgery. I'm your host, Tyler Rouse. This episode was released on July 14th, which is Bastille Day in France, the celebration of the beginning of the French Revolution, which in turn led to the rise of Napoleon. So today, we'll cover the most famous surgeon of Napoleon's Grand Army, Dr. Dominique Jean Leray. He is considered the first modern military surgeon, and his accomplishments include developing the practice of rapid evacuation of the wounded, the triage of patients, and more. We will cover his fascinating story in this episode of... Legends of Surgery. Dominique Jean Leray was born on July 8, 1766, in Bodine, a small village in southern France at the feet of the Pyrenees Mountains. His father, a shoemaker, died when Dominique was young, and so he was sent, at the age of 13, to live with his uncle, Alexis Leray, a professor of surgery in one of the largest hospitals in Toulouse. There, he studied medicine under his uncle for six years, serving as his surgical apprentice before going to Paris at the age of 21 to complete his training under the chief of surgery at the hospital known as the Hôtel Dieu. Following this, Leray joined the French Navy, and in April of 1788 was made the chief surgeon on the frigate Vigilant. The ship spent six months at sea, during which only one man died. They sailed to North America, visiting Newfoundland and the islands of St. Pierre and Miquelon. couple of interesting historical notes. Did you know that Canada just celebrated its 150th birthday on July 1st? But Newfoundland only joined the Canadian Confederation in 1949. Another weird thing... It has its own unique time zone that is on the half-hour. For example, they are one and a half hours ahead of Eastern Standard Time. Now, I mentioned that the voyage stopped at the islands of St. Pierre and Miquelon. These were preserved to French possession under the Peace of Paris, the accord that ended the Seven Years' War in 1763. These two small islands are just off the southwest coast of Newfoundland near the Grand Banks, an important fishery. Amazingly, these remain under French control today, despite being geographically so close to Canada. In fact, they are 3,819 kilometers from the closest point in France and 25 kilometers from the closest point in Newfoundland. Anyways, Leray's career in the Navy was short-lived as he had to resign due to chronic seasickness, which he described as the discomfort of travel in an ill-sprung coach. Back in Paris in 1789, he was working at the Hotel Dieu as the French Revolution was about to explode. On July 14th, Leray led a group of 1,500 medical students in the storming of the Bastille. A quick historical note, the Bastille was a state prison on the east side of Paris and was a symbol of the monarchy's dictatorial rule. Interestingly, there were actually only seven prisoners there at the time, but it was a symbolic act which marked the beginning of the French Revolution. Loret became a field surgeon at Les Invalides, or in English, the Invalids, and by 1790 was an assistant senior surgeon there. Les Invalides was a home and hospital for wounded veterans, hence the name, that was originally built in 1670 by... King Louis the Fourteenth, Napoleon was entombed under its dome in 1840. Anyways, Leray joined the French army and by April 1st of 1792 had become a major in the army of the Rhine. In his first battle, he did not wait for casualties to be brought to him at the rear of the field, but rather flung himself into the fray to help them, earning him criticism from superior officers and the admiration of the wounded. At the time, there was no good method for removing casualties from the field, The standard procedure was that the carriers for the wounded would remain well behind the fighting line, and wait for the engagement to be over before retrieving the wounded. Soldiers might wait hours or even days before being rescued, and might be the victims of thieves, insects, lack of water, and exposure to the elements. And that's if their side won. After defeat, casualties were usually abandoned where they lay. Wounded soldiers were considered expendable, and there was minimal attempt to salvage them, as they were thought to be a burden to the progression of the army. In the autumn of 1792, at the Battle of the Rhine, Leray saw the consequences of delay where a group of wounded soldiers had been neglected for 36 hours and died simply because of a lack of help. He also witnessed the speed at which the horse-drawn artillery could move on the battlefield, which were called the Flying Artillery, and was inspired. Leray proposed to General Custine the construction of a similar system to move wounded patients and called it the Flying Ambulance, or Ambulance Volante. By the Italian campaign of 1797, his system was fully developed which he described in minute detail in a report. This consisted of horse-drawn wagons for collecting and carrying the wounded from battlefield to base hospitals with cushion mattresses and pockets full of supplies. The supporting personnel consisted of a doctor, quartermaster, non-commissioned officer, drummer boy who carried the bandages, and 24 infantrymen. These teams were equipped and trained to go onto the battlefield, immediately provide care including on-the-spot surgery. And quick evacuation and were well equipped with necessary supplies providing shelter food bandages water all things necessary for survival this system was soon organized for the entire army in all manner of conditions there were two and four wheeled wagons for mountainous or flat terrain and even baskets secured to camels for desert engagements this system increased the morale of the army and improved the treatment and survival of the wounded loray stated that quote these brave republicans found their safety in the flying ambulance which was now known throughout the entire army for the immediate help it could bring in all battles, end quote, and that medical evacuation was for, quote, the salvation of the injured and the conservation of the morale of the soldier, end quote. One of the reasons that Leray is considered the first modern military surgeon is his introduction of the concept of triage. This is basically determining the priority of patients' treatments based on the severity of their condition, which is necessary in efficiently treating large numbers of patients such as in a war zone. Now, the word's origin, perhaps not coincidentally, comes from the French trier, meaning to separate out, but wasn't used in the medical sense until World War I. What really made Ray unique in 19th century practice is that he applied this without consideration of the patient's importance, but rather treated all equally. Here's a description in his own words. Quote, the best plan that can be adopted in such emergencies to prevent the evil consequences of leaving soldiers who are severely wounded without assistance, is to place the ambulances as near as possible to the line of battle and to establish headquarters to which all the wounded who require delicate operations shall be collected to be operated upon by the Surgeon General. Those who are dangerously wounded should receive the first attention without regard to rank or distinction. They who are injured in a less degree may wait until their brethren in arms, who are badly mutilated, have been operated and dressed, otherwise the latter would not survive many hours, rarely until the succeeding day. Besides, with a slight wound, it is easy to repair to the hospital of the first or second line, especially for the officers, who generally have means of transportation. Finally, life is not endangered by such wounds." Another concept that made Lorray a modern military surgeon was his humanity, not just in respecting the dignity of the common French soldier, but in treating the wounded on both sides of the battlefield equally. Although Sir John Pringle, a Scottish physician in the British Army, has been credited with this as a first, Leray certainly became well-known for it. In fact, his acts of humanity would eventually save his life, but we'll get to that. First, let's cover some of his other achievements in surgery. If Larey is known for any particular operation, it would be amputations. It has been said that Leray arguably did more amputations than any other surgeon to ever live upon the earth, and they were done quickly and well under challenging circumstances. On September 7th of 1812, he performed 200 amputations within a 24-hour period following the bloody Battle of Borodino during the Russian campaign. Lorray was an advocate for immediate surgery to avoid delays in devitalized tissue removal. He noted that the convention of the day, which was to delay surgery sometimes for as long as 20 days, could lead to sepsis and tetanus. He also realized that his patients rapidly improved ap- after amputation. In his own words, quote, it is necessary to know to take advantage of the favorable moment to do the amputation without waiting against the advice of the majority of authors to wait until the dead tissue is well established, end quote. And he also said, quote, the first 24 hours is the only period during which the system remains tranquil, and we should hasten during this time, as in all dangerous diseases, to adopt the necessary remedy, end quote. Now, during the retreat from Moscow, Larey observed that legs frozen stiff felt almost no pain on amputation, would bleed less, and that after amputation, pain was diminished by packing the stumps in ice and snow, essentially discovering the concept of therapeutic hypothermia. He also was one of the first to extract bullets from wounds by making a counter-opening instead of probing the torn entry path of the bullet. Larray was credited with saving three victims of penetrating chest injuries during the De- Napoleonic Wars, and even saved a man with a self-inflicted stab wound to the heart by opening up the pericardial sac, which is the fibrous sac that contains the heart, and draining the blood, he was one of the first to attempt this type of operation. He even performed trepanations on soldier skulls to retrieve bullets, meaning to cut a hole in the skull. And the soldiers loved him for these heroics. During the retreat from Russia at the crossing of Beresina, where thousands died in the panic-stricken struggle to get over the temporary bridges, Leray went back for surgical instruments that he had forgotten and couldn't recross because of the chaos on the bridge. When the French troops recognized him, they passed him over their heads the length of the span to safety. At the famous Battle of Waterloo, where Napoleon was defeated, Leray was treating patients at an abandoned farm. Napoleon himself ordered him to withdraw his ambulances and make for the frontier, but he refused. His medical party was overtaken by Prussian cavalry. Leray fired his pistol at them, and when they returned fire, his horse was hit, he fell, and while on the ground was cut by two sabers and left for dead. Upon waking, he set off on his own, only to be captured by the Prussians, who robbed him of his arms, his watch, and most of his clothes. He was then taken to a senior Prussian officer who sentenced him to be shot, but fortune smiled on him as he was recognized by a German surgeon major who had been his student in Berlin in 1812. The surgeon pleaded for Leray's life with Field Marshal Gerhard Blücher. Blücher's son had been wounded and captured by the French and his life had been saved by Leray while he was a prisoner of war. Leray was invited to dinner with Blücher, then given money and proper clothes, freed and given safe passage back to France. His humane treatment of a prisoner of war has saved his own life. Loret spent 18 years with Napoleon, serving in 25 major campaigns, which included 60 large battles and 400 engagements during the Revolutionary and Napoleonic Wars, taking him all over Europe and everywhere from the frozen wastelands of Russia to the burning sands of Egypt. By 1805, he was appointed Surgeon-in-Chief to the French Army, and in 1810, Napoleon made him a baron. Here's what Napoleon thought of his chief surgeon, quote, if the army ever erects a monument to express its gratitude, it should do so in honor of Leray, end quote. He also called him, quote, the worthiest man I ever met, end quote. And as an expression of gratitude, Napoleon left him 100,000 francs in his will. After the end of Napoleon's reign, Leray continued to teach, visited veterans in Paris, and actually helped the injured during the Revolution of 1830. He was appointed Surgeon-in-Chief at Les Invalides in 1830. And in 1842, Leray traveled to Algiers, to visit the French armies of North Africa, accompanied by his son Hippolyte, a military surgeon for the Emperor Napoleon III. He fell ill and died on his way back to Lyon from pneumonia on July twenty-fifth, 1842. He was 76 years old. Leray's remains were taken to Paris and buried in Père-la-Chasse Cemetery. However, his wish upon death was to be buried at Les Invalides, a wish that was finally granted when he was reinterred there in December of 1992. In addition to his legacy of his military surgery innovations, Leray published at least 28 books or articles between 1800 and 1840. There's actually a NATO award named after him. The Dominique Jean Leray Award is NATO's highest medical honor, bestowed annually by the Committee of Chiefs of Military Medical Services in NATO, in recognition of a significant and lasting contribution to NATO multinationality and or interoperability, or to improvements in the provision of healthcare in NATO missions in the areas of medical support or health development. His name is engraved on the south pillar of the Arc de Triomphe in Paris, and there are two monuments to him, one in Val de Grasse Court, which is a military hospital in Paris, and one at the Hall of the Academy of Medicine. I'd like to end with this. At the Battle of Waterloo, Leray's courage was noticed by the Duke of Wellington, who saw him tending to injured men in a dangerously exposed position. He took his hat off in salute to Leray, and when asked what he was doing, he pointed at Luray and said, quote, I salute the courage and devotion of an age that is no longer ours, end quote. That wraps up another episode of Legends of Surgery. I hope you enjoyed it. The next episode, will continue the miniseries, Better Know a Procedure, and we'll talk about the creator of the Nissen Fund application, invented by Rudolf Nissen. Did you know that he had operated on Albert Einstein? Tune in next time to find out more. In the meantime, please rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a comment there or follow me on Twitter at SurgeryLegends, like us on Facebook at Legends of Surgery, or send an email to legendsofsurgery at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you about your thoughts on the podcast or ideas for future episodes. And as always, thanks for listening.